This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. And good morning, good afternoon, whatever the case may be, wherever you happen to be at this very moment. I am here in Los Angeles where it's 9 in the morning and a gorgeous sunny day, which we can use. You know, usually it's the opposite. People say, oh my God, we can use some rain, we can use some rain. Well, it's been raining so much that we, we can use a little sunshine. And uh, so today our, our prayers have been answered because it's a, it's a beautiful day out there. Nice blue skies, it's, uh, it's great. But we're expecting more, they're expecting more rain again. And the only good thing about that, is for any of us who like the winter sports, uh, for example, Mammoth, which is our mecca here in, in the uh, California area, Mammoth Mountain. You know, Tahoe and Mammoth are the great places to, to ski or snowboard, but uh, they have like a, a, over a 20 foot base. I think it's a 24 foot base, which is unbelievable. No, it's, uh, it's great. So uh, you're here live with Dr. Jeff Werber. Here you host for the next 30 minutes on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. We're here for you, we're here for your pets. Number of ways to get a hold of us. We do want to hear from you. Anything we want to talk about, just Give me a call. I know we've gotten uh, got an email or so. We're looking forward to, to maybe answer and help you out there. A couple of ways to get number one, to get a hold of us, the easy old-fashioned way. Yes, I still use it all the time. It's the telephone, 877-385-8882. Once again, 877-385-8882. You can also send me an email right here live to Dr. Jeff. That's Dr. Jeff at PetLifeRadio.com. And finally, kind of the most fun way and the best, most interactive way, a way that you should kind of get used to doing because of the increased popularity of telemedicine and telehealth in the veterinary market, the veterinary world. But that is join us live here on Google Hangouts. Go to uh, PetLifeRadio.com. You click on the Ask the Best with Dr. Jeff tab, and you could scroll down and you will see a, a big box with a very long link. You do not have to memorize it. You just click on it. If it doesn't work, you can just scroll across it and copy it and then paste it into your browser and that'll take you directly to me here on Pet Life Radio Live, which is great. So this month, February, it's National Pet Dental Health Month. Um, and um, and that's, you know, it's a good thing because, God, there are so many dental problems. And anyway, we're going to get that to the second part of the show. We're going to talk about just National Pet Dental Health Month, what you can do to help eliminate some of the problems that your pets have with their teeth and some uh, alternatives to the best thing. Of course, the best thing is brushing, which most of us don't do. Seth, sadly, sometimes myself included. I got a lot of pets. It's kind of hard, especially with cats. I mean, it's a challenge. Trust me, it's a challenge. Anyway, so uh, we're going to get back to the last uh, part of the show. So just some um, AVMA and Animal uh, American Animal Hospital Association news briefs, which I do like to share with you because kind of what's new in the marketplace, what's happening in the veterinary world. So again, we are seeing more and more of this. There is more and more talk about it. And what is it? It is cannabis. And we're talking about cannabis toxicity. And um, basically, a lot of the medical, you know, marijuana and some of the medical-based cannabinoids uh, have what we call the tetrahydrocannabidiol. And um, the cannabinols and the tetrahydrocannabinol, uh, otherwise known as THC, that is a psychoactive component that could be very, very toxic. The problem is that there are so many more varieties with different levels and strengths of THC it's very hard to standardize. And until we can standardize, we can't make recommendations. In California, for example, even though now federally it's okay, a lot of states, it's still, by the way, anything, any of the cannabinoids are still what they call schedule one. So a lot of states are overriding that and they are 
changing some of the, the rules. Now, federally, they're blocking out now. They're working on some of the hemp products and the CBD products that have no THC or negligible amounts of THC. And those are being used as either food supplements, as additives on the human side, as far as categories. But in the veterinary side, in many states, including California, uh, it's still a no-no. So, you know, veterinarians in California, uh, we cannot prescribe it. We cannot carry products that have it. Now, it's interesting. A client can go to a pet store here in California and buy some of these products that have CBD, but the veterinarian can't sell it from their own office. We can't send a client home and say, you know, you should just go by the pet store or, or go to the, the, you know, the pot shop, whatever, and pick up some CBD. So the rules are going to be changing uh, now that it is legal in California for recreational use. I can only imagine that University of California at Davis is, is going to be joining on as the, what Colorado State University has been doing for a while, and that is doing more and more research. The key is, and you know, one of my, in fact, one of my guests coming up is Dr. Justine Lee. She runs Vet Girl. She is double boarded in, in emergency medicine, critical care, and in veterinary toxicology. And we're going to talk some of the details just about what are the dangers and the concerns that we have because of this poor standardization we have in the marketplace right now when it comes to these compounds. So for now, if you want to talk to your veterinarian, if, it, if it's legal, if it's allowed, there are benefits that we've seen empirically, not scientifically proven yet, with CBD. But more importantly, it's something you need to talk to your vet because it's very, very important that you avoid anything with THC at this point until we start learning more about dosing, about toxicity, et cetera. This was very sad. And I'm still trying to figure out how it happened. But a four-year-old dog was apparently electrocuted while walking on a heated sidewalk in Spokane, Washington. And apparently there must have been some short circuit or something that malfunctioned and then coupled with the moisture and the rock salt putting on, it basically made contact with the dog's pads. And this poor dog died from electrocution. So on the one hand, I think there might be, I'm sure there are benefits uh, or else municipalities wouldn't do it, is to put the heated sidewalks in. But uh, I guess there's got to be some concern with exposed wires, something. I can't imagine just coming through the cement, but you know, it, it certainly could because it can conduct, but really sad. Another concern coming up, and I am totally for chiropractic. I actually did have a human chiropractor who had completed the course, I believe. I'm not sure about this. It was either Mississippi State or, or, or Missouri in the Mizzou. They had a course for chiropractic and the attendees were veterinarians that were, were learning chiropractic and human chiropractors that wanted to learn veterinary. And you got a certification. The problem is there are differences in the spinal anatomy and you can't, a human chiropractor, well, I guess chiropractors are always going to be human, but a chiropractor who works on people, a DC, doctor of chiropractic, you got to be very careful that they should not be working on a dog unless, or any pet, unless they have some advanced training from the veterinary side. And it is available. It absolutely is available. There's a certification process where they can learn uh, some of the nuances, the differences. And when they do, I will tell you from firsthand experience, because I did have a friend of mine, unfortunately, they moved to uh, Tennessee. But while he was here in SoCal, he was a chiropractor and he took the course and was certified. And I saw a lot of benefits to his work when people come. And not only, I mean, clearly the dog would feel better because he was coming in, he would come in one or two days a week. And I had clients that were actually coming to him because... Without an appointment, I mean, they, they knew he was there. He knew it was Wednesday. He knew he was going to be there on Wednesday. And they would just come in. They wouldn't do that if it wasn't helping. They wouldn't do that if they didn't see an improvement in their pet. So I think that's really cool. So anyway, just 
Be careful, beware, just because someone's a chiropractor and just because you have read or you're hearing it from me that there are benefits to chiropractic treatments on pets. Don't think that a human chiropractor can do it without some specialized advanced training. This was really cute story. Uh, I mean, it's good. It was a life-saving story. So this was caught on, you know, the, the doorbell, the rings, the cameras. So this woman has two beautiful Labradors, a chocolate and a black. And I think she felt a stroke or something weird coming on. And she said this, she goes, mommy needs help. Well, you, you can see this. The dogs from the house ran outside, kind of barking. They went to a neighbor. They got the neighbor. They started barking. The neighbor figured something was wrong because the dogs were out loose. And she walked up. The door was wide open. The house was dark. And at, actually, this woman was having a stroke. She called 911. And the dogs, actually, I mean, when it comes to strokes, sometimes time is, a, it, time is of the essence. So that's amazing. And uh, so you talk about these dogs' ability to sense, you know, there's always that question. You know, if there's a disaster at home and all of a sudden, whether it's a fire, whatever it is, and the, the dogs are bugging you, they wake you up. Are they waking you up because they care about you? Or are they waking you up because they know you're the only one that knows how to open the door? So, uh, and they said, get me out of here. You want to go back to sleep? That's fine. But you got to get me out of here. But anyway, in this case, I think that it really shows that uh, there are dogs, individual, of course, there are instances when pets actually know and can sense the danger and want to do something about it. This is also a really nice story. You know, sometimes there's such terrible stories, you know, uh, about this food and recalls. Oh, by the way, we do have a recall coming up. But this is a, a rule in the state of Washington that any animals that are used in research for studies must be adopted out after the studies. And I think that's really cool. So um, there's a bill in the state Senate, I mean, for state of Washington, that these animals have to be put up for adoption when the studies are concluded. And of course, Washington State University, which has a veterinary school that's in Pullman, and University of Washington in Seattle, they have uh, totally agreed because let's face it, what are you going to do with these animals? You don't want to put them to sleep. They're often healthy animals. The, the studies aren't like tearing them apart. They, you know, you have to test certain medications. You have to test, you know, certain foods. Anyway, I think that, that that's great and it's very responsible. And I applaud the state of Washington to make sure that these animals are adopted. As a matter of fact, I do some work with the Mars Corporation and had done some spokesperson work for Neutro and for IAMS. And I was invited back to their facility in Tennessee. And I have to tell you, this place, this enrichment facility where the foods are tested on these dogs and cats was unbelievable. And what I found so amazing is that they only keep animals for one year. After that, they get new crops of animals in and they have a 100% adoption rate. And to see how these animals are treated, don't, you know, I can hear it already. People saying, ah, oh, but it's research. But you should see our dogs would be lucky. Our cats would be lucky to be in these studies. These, the, 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 where they keep them, how they house them, the enrichment, the food, the attention, the people. It's just unbelievable. And the attention to care is, I, I was so amazed. I mean, I would have taken any one of those dogs or cats because they were so great. And, uh, and you could just tell they love it because they're treated so well. So, you know, again, applauding uh, hats off to Mars because they are really, really involved in this. And they want to make sure that these animals are treated well while they're there. And then they are uh, adopted out to good families after they're done. What I wanted to say about the recall, as we said, I, I have to throw a recall in there somewhere. So vitamin D, we know that vitamin D is essential. It's one of the, there are four fat-soluble vitamins that are known, A, D, E, and K. And unlike the water-soluble vitamins like your Bs and your Cs, you can overdose. And there are toxicities. There's vitamin A toxicity, vitamin D toxicity. 
and they sit around longer with the water soluble vitamins, whatever's not used, it's urinated out. So I mean, they said it would be hard to overdose on vitamin C or one of the vitamin Bs. But A, D, E, and K, 100% yes. So anyway, though vitamin D is essential, too much can cause problems, kidney failure, for example. And, um, you know, even more than that can mess up. There's a whole feedback mechanism with vitamin D, calcium. So it's very important to keep that balance. And if you have too much vitamin D, not that it's not something that's going to happen every day. And I've personally never seen it in my 35 years, but it can actually lead to death at some point. But I guess there are obviously other elements that are involved, but uh, that's very rare. So anyway, Science Diet had a recall they sent out a number of their foods, and that's the, so the science diet, prescription diets, there was, a, I guess, a mistake in the, in the production steps, and they were put, uh, put in too much vitamin D. So they sent a recall list. So you need to, if you are feeding a science diet product to your dogs or your cats, I think this was dog food, then you want to talk to your veterinarian. They have the list of recall foods with a lot numbers. And if you do, you'll get a free swap out. So just double check again, science diet, vitamin D toxicity, certainly it's a possibility. And um, oh, one last thing before we uh, go on our mid-show break, that and again, this is something we know. Uh, as many of you know, I'm a, a Frenchie idiot, and I have, uh, you know, I have Frenchies. My son has, uh, has a Frenchie. We're, we love the French. I see probably as far as one breed, I, I probably say now I see more Frenchies than I see Labradors or Goldens. Anyway, Boston Terriers, Pugs, Frenchies, English Bulls, any of the, what we call the brachycephalic breeds, they have really big heads. They have really short snouts. And uh, they have the most common problems with what we call dystocia, reproductive problems. So uh, when it comes to, to birthing, and that's why these dogs typically are going to need C-sections. And again, my Herbie, who I sadly, if, is, if you follow me on Instagram, at Dr. Jeff Werber, you know that I had to say goodbye to my little Frenchie Herbie. He was almost 14. He was like two weeks shy of 14. And he had a, a, a wonderful life. But the good news was, I mean, I got him because I delivered this litter C-section and they were all accounted for. And I took all the, there were six puppies in the litter. And I, I was the first human hands to touch these little puppies. I had pictures of them, by the way. And they were all accounted for. And I got a call. I was teasing with the guys that owned the, the, the female that, you know, I could, I, we could maybe do a barter. We can take advantage of this and have a little good time and, and you'll save some money. And they uh, know they were all accounted for. What a bummer. Anyway, P.S., they called me eight weeks later. Were you serious? And I said, about. And they go about maybe working a deal out for the barter. I said, oh, hell yeah. So P.S., I got Herbie. One of the uh, puppies had the, the intended recipient had to back out and he was available. And uh, he gave me, like I said, almost good 14 years. And as I, I said, the sad part, sad, happy. I was the first hands to hug him and sadly also the last. Anyway, just know that they have issues. Um, when we come back, I'm going to show you a picture. I think I'm going to find it of a, a an amazing litter of French Bulldogs. Uh, that was really cute. Anyway, so don't go away. We'll be right back after these short messages. And we are going to talk about National Pet Dental Health Month. And we're going to talk about how we can help you care for your pets. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy? Come to Dynavite for help. Order a 90-day supply of Dynavite. Dynavite is nutrition. Pick up two bottles of Lico Chops. Get the third bottle free. New improved Lico Chops with omega-3, omega-6, vitamin E. And now, six extra direct-fed microbials. Even better for the digestive tract and immune system. Try Lico Chops. Buy two. 
Get one free at Dynavite.com. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs> And welcome back. You're here live with Dr. Jeff Gerber here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. And I want, I want if you could see this picture. So there's me holding a litter of not one, not two, three, four, five, six, eight French bulldog puppies. And they, they were all naturally delivered. No C-section. And how cute are these little guys? Unbelievable. So, yeah, it was really, really cute. Anyway, National Pet Dental Health Month. So I'm sure you've been told by your veterinarian that bad teeth is not just bad teeth. Sadly, interestingly, that infections in the mouth seem to travel, you know, as the teeth get really bad, the gums get irritated. You have often have gum bleeding, They'll even just by eating, they'll, they can irritate their gums. And now you have a direct pathway from the bacteria in the mouth to other places in the body. Two organs that the oral flora seem to like to collect and to colonize are the kidney filtration system, the glomerular in the kidney. And so you get glomerular nephritis, which is an inflammation of the glomerular apparatus in the kidney, and something called endocarditis. Endocarditis is an infection of the heart valves. And on postmortem, or when dogs have glomerular nephritis, or they die of heart disease, and they culture, they see the heart valves, and they culture the valves, the bacteria, guess what? Many, if not all of those bacteria originated in the mouth. So it's more than just not being able to kiss your dog. And you don't want him to come near you. You don't want him to sleep in bed with you because his mouth is horrendous. You're not because they're stopped eating or just dropping their food because their teeth are in such pain, but it's actually bad for them as well. So I know that probably most of you, I hope I'm wrong, don't brush your pet's teeth on a regular basis. And it's something that is often a challenge. And if you're starting when they're adults, it's very tough. It really is. And how many of you are going to your veterinarian for professional dental cleaning? And we'll get to that in a minute on a regular basis as well. And that too is very important. So I, I would say, by, let's put it this way, about 75% of dogs and cats over the age of three already have accumulation of tartar and some sort of periodontal irritation or disease. So you should be checking your pet's teeth regularly and know, but it's not uncommon by the age of three that your pet's going to need some dental care. So it's, um, I mean, again, it, it's something that needs to be checked very regularly and now take advantage of National Pet Dental Health Month. Now, uh, let's talk about brushing. The process itself, and I show this to clients all the time, is really not that challenging. And dogs, cats are tougher, admittedly, but dogs don't seem to bother right away. They will basically, the key there is to start when they're young and you get them used to the process. How? First thing I do is I take a little bit of the dentifrice, the paste. It's non-sudging toothpaste, usually flavored, you know, poultry, fish, something like that, beef. And just put your finger and just rub it a little bit on their teeth, just a little bit for five, six seconds, and then say, oh, my God, you're so good, and give a little treat of something, pet, good girl, good boy, whatever. And do this for a couple of days each time, a little more time as far as how long you're doing it, and go a little farther back. 
get to the point where you can go up, down, always fun. They're always getting a treat. You're always making it fun. It's never feel. And sometimes, by the way, I find that with some dogs, it's better instead of going at them because they don't like when you're coming at them with your finger, go behind them and do it from, go from the back and then just pull their teeth away and they will let you do it. It's not uncommon. Then next step is you can have a little finger brush. A lot of these kits that you can buy, a dental kit, come with a little brush, a finger brush, and do the same thing. Now, they're just getting, it's just, it's obviously, it's not going to brush it. They're little rubber bristles or little baby bristles. They're not going to do much, but they actually will help your pet get used to the process. All right. And then once they're good with that, you can finally graduate to a brush. A lot of the brushes have a big brush, a small brush, a big side, side, a small side, you know, whatever's appropriate for your dog. The key is to do it regularly. Always make it fun. Always give some sort of reward. Do it before a meal, before a walk, before a little treat. That way they, they, they start making the Pavlovian association that every time mom or dad comes at me with their finger or this brush, whatever, I'm going to eat or I'm going to go for a walk or I'm going to get a treat. So this is, it's very important, but you want to start young. And I, I can show people, I have them come in my exam room, even an adult dog. And within seconds, I'm going up, down, back and forth, and they're totally fine. Now, alternatives. Let's say you have that very fractious dog. There's no way you're getting your fingers into his mouth. Or that cat. Oh, my God. You don't want to get your fingers because cat bites. You know, I've been bitten by many dogs. And I don't even I wash that soap and water. And that's about it. But with a cat, that's where you may, you got to worry because cat mouths are pretty bad with their bacteria. So what else can you do? Well, certain chew toys are known to help with the tartar and the plaque, such that, you know, for example, the dentist sticks or, or the greenies have really good stuff out there that you can use to help actually peel away the tartar. Don't think for a second that because you're feeding your pet dry food, that that's going to do the trick. As a matter of fact, let me put an end to this right now. When you look at what teeth typically develop, build up the most tartar, calculus. Which ones are they? They're the molars and the premolars, the teeth they chew on. Now let's use a little logic. If the hard food was going to help clean those teeth every time they bunched and crunch, right? You would think those should have the least amount, but they don't. They have the most amount because plaque, which is the film left behind because people aren't brushing their pet's teeth after every meal. Well, like we do with ours, we brush a couple of times, three times, two, three times a day. So that's why we don't typically have that much plaque. And even though we do, we still have to go in for professional cleanings. So you can imagine what's going on with your pets that aren't getting the brushing. But the one of the elements that contributes in converting this plaque into tartar are minerals. And minerals and bacteria in the saliva contribute. Well, where do the salivary ducts open into the mouth? Right over those teeth, the carnasials, the molars. So this is where and why those teeth accumulate the most, even though they're chewing hard food. So don't say, well, I give my dog dry food so I don't have to brush teeth. No, you do just as much as everybody else. So if you, again, you fail, there's no way you can get into the mouth. There are some chew toys that are that are that uh, might help. Absolutely. It shouldn't replace, but it will help. And there are also some water additives that you can do or gels, some antiseptic gels that have certain antibacterial properties that might at least curb some of the bacteria that are accumulating in the mouth, that would help a little bit. A water additive might help a little bit, but don't think that just because you're doing that, it's going to solve your problem. It's not. The best way that's only, that's going to help you the most, good old-fashioned brushing teeth. You're going to have a tough time flossing, but you can certainly brush. Now, what about cleaning? It's been shown that dogs, cats, to get a thorough cleaning, need to have some degree of sedation. That's an absolute must. So to go to these groomers that say, oh, we can brush teeth. First of all, in many states, it's against the law. Anyone who touches a metallic object like a tartar scraper to the surface of a tooth, 
is basically considered practicing veterinary medicine without a license. So beware. And studies have been shown. Dr. Jan Bellows, a great vet dentist, very well-known, nationally known, did a study showing the huge difference between dogs that are going in for these non-anesthetic cleanings by a groomer or even a, a, a human you know, vet, a dental hygienist, versus dogs that are sedated and cleaned thoroughly. The outside of the surface of the teeth in both groups looked very good. So they definitely can do a good job. So when you pick up after that cleaning and you look at the gums and you look at the teeth, you say, oh my God, they did such a fantastic job. That's great. No, because he also took x-rays. And after three years, the bone destruction in the non-anesthetic group was tremendous because you can't get deep into those pockets. You can't get deep under the gums with an awake animal. No way. So don't kid yourself. You need to have it done. Look, I used to have someone come in and do it, and she did a great job. I thought she did a great job, and she did get the surface of the teeth cleaned, and the teeth did look good. But when I read Dr. Bellow's study, I said, oh, we're doing a disservice. So there's got to be some sort of sedation. See your veterinarian. There are some products out there for sedation that are excellent, that it's sort of like, a, a I call it anesthesia light. They're still anesthetized. You can still scrape. You can still use the tart. You can use the ultrasonic scaler. You can do everything. You can't pull a tooth on it, but you can actually give a, if they, it's just about a good cleaning. So for that young to middle-aged dog, that's very healthy. And obviously we're going to do blood work first. Then it might be an alternative, save you a little money and won't put the dog complete under deep, deep anesthesia. But anything beyond that, these animals need to be fully anesthetized either way, somehow or another to be able to do a proper dental cleaning. And another thing that we're doing now are taking oral x-rays, just like when you go to the dentist, even for your routine cleanings, they always do some x-rays. And they're looking for diseases under the gums and the bone, the attachment from the tooth to the bone, any kind of defect that you can't see. So that might be something to consider as well. And many, many veterinarians are doing that as part of a routine, at least offering it. The choice is obviously yours. It's going to be a little more expensive, but at least you're doing the best you can for your pets. So Now's the time. It's a good month, February, National Pet Dental Health Month. See your veterinarian, have your animal's teeth checked, get the cleaning if it's necessary, and maybe start on a regimen, a home regimen of oral hygiene that can help your pets avoid problems down the road. Anyway, if you have any questions, you can always get a hold of me at drjeffdrjeffpetliferadio.com. Please follow me on Instagram at drjeffwerber, and we'd love to uh, hear from you. If you have any questions, send me an email. We'll talk about it on air. Uh, you can always, as I said, send me an email. I, we can do this you know, privately too. I, I always like to answer my emails from our listeners. So um, anyway, have a great week, everybody. I am going to be next week at the Western Veterinary Conference. Um, so I'll be in Las Vegas. We'll, um, I, I don't know if I'll be able to, to join you guys live, but I will try. Otherwise, for sure, the following week, we'll be here live at Pet Life Radio's Ask Dr. Jeff. Have a great week or two. And we'll see you next time. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.